1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Power Producers Podcast where we are refining and redefining the sales game today We ain't talking about sales. We're talking about finances, and producers don't like to hear that, which is exactly why they need to hear that. My guest today is not just one guest. It's three. It's the people from RD Advisory Group. You may better know them as agency CFO, and I am honored and privileged to have them here because we are going to dive deep. (laughs) So Ro, Don, and Kayla... How's it going?
2: We are wonderful. Thank you so much for allowing us into your world. Well, it's a
1: it's a dangerous and scary place. The only thing worse would be in my actual head. So <laughs> and we don't let anybody in there. So before we get cranked up and deliver what I think will be an hour of pure gold, why don't you give everybody who hasn't heard of you guys sort of the 10,000-foot overview of who you are? kind of what you do, where you came from, all of that, so that they understand, like I do, that you're very credible and good at what you do. And then we're going to be off to the races and just drop practical information that people need to hear for the rest of 2022 and as they start planning for 2023.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much. So I am Ro. I am the R in RD Advisory Group, and I started it in 2013. I have an MBA And really was doing a lot of the typical MBA, strategic planning, leadership training, all of that. While Don, my husband
3: was, where were you? At a large independent insurance agency here in central New York. Uh, I was there as CFO plus uh, 12 other hats. So from sales manager to the IT, HR facility, second in command, wrote some life insurance, you name it. Uh, I pretty much did it back at the agency.
2: And when you say sales manager, don't let him downplay that. He was <laughs> his producers had million dollar books of revenue.
3: Absolutely, we so, liked uh, the large account. So uh, I like your philosophy, and uh, that's the way we worked.
2: Absolutely. Along the way, we have Kayla. What is your background?
4: Yes, so I actually came from the same agency as Don. So it was around ten million. Right. Revenue, not premium, and I was fortunate enough to be their business development coordinator. So I was really that central hub between um, either the producers that were at a million or path to a million, sales management, marketing, all the things that really makes this team successful, gets them out there. You
2: were herding cats. Yeah. She was, don't (laughs) let her get you, she was herding cats. (laughs) Crazy I honestly believe
1: know. yeah I honestly believe that if you're not a producer in an agency that you're wearing at least 3 to 5 hats period. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Producers get to focus on production because they're the prima donnas in the organization. But outside of that, you're everybody else it's just kind of like uh, in a normal agency now there are very well-run agencies out there that have defined roles responsibilities and all of that but for those of us that are normal I think you just find yourself sort of white knuckle ride, holding on and hoping for the best. And I'm not advocating that's the way to do it. I'm just saying that's the way that it gets done nine it times out life. of ten. It's,
2: it's, it's life, life as a small business owner. And you use the resources you have to the you fill in where you need. About four – well, it is four years ago, but about six years ago, one of Don's hits, he became a virtual CFO for an independent agency in Detroit.
3: Yeah, they were losing their controller. They're uh, an agency that really didn't have the need for a full-time controller CFO. They most were don't. We most don't, don't. We, most don't, most don't. Yeah, that's here. what I was gonna say.
1: Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree that the average agency, and when I mean average, I mean average, right? Yeah. Like the average yeah. agency, the average agency is not at a million dollars in revenue. No. You that know absolutely. what I mean?
3: So you have to be an agency north, I would say, of $15 million even, in revenue. Even $20 even million. Even $20 million in revenue to uh, essentially afford a CFO full-time on your staff, as well as actually keep them busy.
2: So what we found was that Don's agency owner at the time was extremely progressive. He encouraged Don to make this program his own, and we folded it in under RD Advisory Group, and it is the agency CFO program. Along the way through my through my years, you were there for 14 years. I went to every conference. I've been to applied, I've been to major industry events. People would think I was an insurance agent because <laughs> I hey, I'm an MBA, I can speak this and I learned it. So the three of us come together, we have another CFO on staff. We're always looking for great talent and we serve our clients only in the independent insurance agency arena. We don't do agency CFO for anyone else. It's custom fractional chief financial officer services only for independent agencies. So that's the 30,000
4: foot view of uh, agency CFO. And I will say before we've, we've just made this note, we also have just expanded. So we offer a financial package for every agency size you know, it used to be they can't even afford the fractional CFO because we're only at a million dollars. And the funny thing is, is that the people that really need us that we found are under a million and mm-hmm. we've had to find a package that's accessible to them. Um, and we have everything from, you know, a $100,000 of revenue all the way up to $10 So we now have a solution for everyone.
1: So so talk a little bit about that. What does that look like? Because I, I agree with you 100%. Um, I think that i think that every agency needs some sort of a financial presence Mm -hmm. or professional if we were all that good at that end of it that's what we would be doing for a living not going out and producing right and it's a completely different skill set so i want to make sure that you hone in on that for just a second because Mm -hmm. for there are a lot of agencies out there that are smaller that will Mm -hmm. never make the leap they'll never be, be able to take the jump and it's it's not it's not because they're bad people. It's not because they're unintelligent people. It's because they don't have a roadmap. And for many people, think about this. I, I would be interested in your perspective, but, you know, the path to owning an agency isn't you go to school to learn how to run an agency,
0: right? <laughs> no, Usually, no. you're, dis- call, you're a disgruntled employee.
1: You, yeah, you're a disgruntled employee of another agency, or you're you a succession plan and you move up the ranks and you're running the agency, or... You were captive, and now you yeah. want to become independent. And so now you find yourself running an independent agency. So th- it's tough because there's sales training out there. There's there's CSR training oh, and everything out there and, and, and oh. all of that. But it, it's look, I mean, I, I talk about this all the time when it comes to our prospects, right? Where does the average consumer learn how to buy insurance? There's not courses out there. There aren't webinars that you can attend. And if there are, they're from the same people you're learning from already. And that is guys like me that are going to educate you on how to do it. And then hopefully gain your business as a result of gaining your trust through education. Run in the financial end of any business, let alone... I mean, <laughs> unless you're going to school oh, for yeah. finance or accounting or whatever else, there's just not practical training there. And there are things that we need to know to do every single day when you're not involved that we don't know. So talk a little bit about that, because for for those of you that have smaller agencies, I can't be any more adamant on why you need to engage with a financial professional sooner than later. It was the first thing I did when I launched my agency, knowing full yeah. well that I didn't have the volume or anything else for a CFO, but I have a friend who was handling all of the accounting and, and basically CFO type stuff for another business that I have interest in. And I just mm-hmm. migrated over and she learned pretty quickly insurance is a whole different you know, <laughs> option. Right. And so to that end, that's also... Probably one thing that's kept me from scaling as fast as I want to scale in my agency simply because, just not just the financial segment of any business, but the financial segment of an insurance agency is extremely unique and needs to be done right from the beginning or as soon as possible when you realize you're not doing it right.
2: There, you nailed it. And what we found, I want to take a quick step back because we've been using the word CFO, CFO. Let's, let's give the, the listeners a sense of what that really means. We look at it as the gap. You have a tax, we call it tactical, your bookkeeping, it, your billing, your invoicing, even some of your payroll, what it takes to run your agency on a day to day. Our small agencies, sometimes the owner does it, sometimes they're able to have an outsourced bookkeeper. At the top of the pyramid, you have a CPA. They're gonna do your taxes. When we talk CFO, chief
1: we, financial hope, Ro, officer, we hope they have a CPA at hope. the top of that pyramid. <laughs> All
2: right, fair. Not, always. Not always fair. And you need a good CPA. I'll quantify that because we've run into that as well. That really understands some of the nuances. When we come in as a CFO, you look at, they, Kayla's a CFO as well. She does CFO work. Don't let her kid you. She is a sharp one. There is the critical five. So real quick, just fire those off so they know what a CFO focuses. So the
3: five things that we believe every agency owner must completely understand, one is their revenue. How fast are they growing? You know, hopefully we're growing and we're not shrinking. So earned revenue. Second is profitability. We look at profitability in three different ways profitability excluding contingency, with contingency, and EBITDA. And yes, we'll teach all of our owners what in the world is EBITDA. (laughs) Cash flow, Uh, cash is king. We we, we may not go out of business because of of a lack of profit, but we uh, don't have cash, we can't pay the bills, can't make payroll, uh, we're out of business. So we're gonna definitely understand cash flow and definitely how agency bill uh, can distort that. Then on a written basis, new business. The number four. How much new business production are we actually generating? How do we measure that?
4: Non-renewal. You know, no rewrites.
3: True, <laughs> pure
4: new business that's hitting the books for that current year.
3: And probably the fifth is the most misunderstood mm-hmm. topic of all: client retention. How do you measure it, and what does it mean? Uh, we see so many different ways and so much misinformation about how you really measure retention and how to how to manage it.
2: And then there's a whole host of other things such as, and this will speak to the producers, producer comp. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've even gotten into pro formas for valuation. And where it starts with us is Don and Kayla have developed this incredibly in-depth financial model. Every one of our clients, the model is adapted to them. We have permission from Bobby Reagan, big guy, To use the benchmarking data, everybody gets benchmarked, and we provide a monthly earnings call. Just like you see on CNBC, where our CFOs give their expert analysis and the five points to consider for the month. Now, to level the playing field, because our agencies, especially over $1 million, can afford, for the most part, our program. We were getting so many inquiries, and our core mission is to help people. We are here as an extension of an agency's team. we become very close with our agency owners. We consider them our friends, and we wanted to level the playing field, and that's where we have the Executive Academy, and right now we have a financial fluency course developed. This is Kayla's baby. This is what she runs, and we just take part in it. So I'm going to turn it over to her to give you that snapshot of how mm-hmm. the, all of the listeners can be
4: a part and in, in level that playing field and be their own CFO. So if you've ever heard Don talk about this for some of our clients, he'll say, you know, at any agency size, it the fundamentals stay the same. So whatever finances you do, like you said, you know, your friend helped you get it off the ground right at the beginning if you get it right the first time, it saves you leaps and bounds in time, just wasted effort years down the road. And what we've found is if you learn it once, right, the first time, yeah. you know, if you're at $10 million, it's the same fundamentals. So what we do is we offer them the same tools. The only difference is obviously we can't sell our time back. We don't make money off of that. So we give them the tools and in Don's words, we teach them how to fish. So we teach you as an agency owner, you know, typically they're just good producers. I think you kind of alluded to it, right? You're a great producer. You want to do more. You want to take that risk. Maybe you're a little bit crazier than the average producer and you start building a team. And, you know, like you said, unless you go to business management school or you go and take, you know, exact lessons, very rarely do you get the education of how to just be a business owner. So what we've done is we've we're kind of shortening the learning curve. We give you the fundamentals in language. You know what does these terms mean? How do you speak the language? Mm-hmm. And more so, how do you get actually accurate data? And once you have the right data, how do you analyze it? You have to think like a CFO, and that's what's going to move you from um, potentially you know maybe you'll go up to two five million in five years or could you do that faster because you have the right metrics to look at and not just overload Mm
1: -hmm. well here's an observation um and i know this to be true and that is what you put into your mind is what ends up coming out of your mouth at some point (laughs) right and you know honestly i think that even if there were a producer that has no interest in running an agency, has no interest in ever being a business owner, if they simply took your course on financial literacy, they would make them a much better producer because (laughs) the fact of the matter is they're speak if they're calling on the types of accounts that we call on, they're talking to CFOs, right? And the more you can make your conversations operational in nature, the better off you're going to be. The insurance is the insurance and anybody that's an educated buyer understands that. They're in the middle market and and I I can stand on the mountaintops and preach this as much as I want and I know that some of y'all are out there shaking your head like your way is better and you know what? If that's what you believe, you're perfectly entitled to it. I may question why you're listening to the podcast unless I just make you mad and motivate you to go out and do it your way harder. But at the end of the day, I have to believe that just the basic financial literacy and understanding. You know, I'm blessed in the fact that I have had total P and L responsibility since I was in my early 20s. Okay, wow. I've I've had to hire, fire, handle human resources, not just in the insurance industry, but in re, in a retail environment mm-hmm. prior to. So I've gone. From a $15 million location to $150 million a year location that I was responsible for everything in the four walls and under the roof. So when I came into the insurance industry, I didn't know the insurance jargon, but I could talk about operations. I could talk about productivity and sales per man hour and processes and common practices and all of these things. And that, I think more than anything else, has made me deadly as a producer because I can look at that stuff in an operation where real change is driven and and hone in on that, knowing that now I've got the letters behind my name, the insurance part is honestly, the is relatively easy to do. Mm-hmm. It's getting the conversation started. Mm-hmm. It's holding that conversation and being credible when you do that separates the really good producers from the salespeople, in my opinion. Absolutely.
4: So we always joke around that, Uh, The one person who doesn't understand how they're compensated in an agency is (laughs) typically the producer, right? They don't understand that if they want to make more money, here's how you become more profitable. Here's how your book, it's called Me Incorporated. Don can speak to it a little bit. But when you consider yourself Me Incorporated in a business within the agency, you truly, I think, learn to develop yourself and think about your own book profitability and how that means more money for you, you know, money for the sales or the service team, right? You need computers, you need people to help and service your book. The more you're thinking about how profitable you're running your own book as a business, truly a book of business, then I think that's where it really takes you to that next level and it takes you to the next book next book size that you're really looking for. So, you
2: you always talk about the the need for producers to understand what their portion is versus how they give back to the agency in terms of the service team and ultimately the agency's profitability.
3: Absolutely. I think this type of financial knowledge for a producer serves them well in so many ways. First off, it serves them themselves, <laughs> understanding their own financial dynamic. But two is they have to be have a sense of how does their production affect the rest of their agency. You know, they're not the only, sometimes they think that the world revolves around them. No, well, the rest of the agency has to function too. There's other people who have to get paid. Uh, Other functions have to happen. But then again, I think, David, you made a great point. The more that they have uh, more financial acumen, oftentimes they're either talking to the C-suite at at, at most uh, businesses. So they're going to talk to another CFO. They're going to talk to the CEO, whatever. And the, the more that they can understand the financial dynamics of their prospect, the more business they're going to close. It's a win, win, win.
2: You inspired me, David. I made the note already for our next executive Academy course to be financial literacy for producers and insurance leaders, because you're right. They may not need the financial model, but they need the, the understanding.
1: So thank you. there's a reason why when an agency decides they're gonna engage with killing commercial and put their producers into our ecosystem, that we start with business planning for producers. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, you know, I realize that probably some of my peer group is not gonna like me saying this, but that's fine. Um I feel like we manage producers wrong. Um, I feel like oh. that we're we're very much reactionary in Mm -hmm. how we manage them. And when we were in New York, I probably even mentioned this when I was talking because it's been a hot button of mine for the last couple of months. And it's actually the subject of my new book that's coming out. So uh, I'm going to continue to talk about it for a while. But um, at the end of the day, I feel like agency principles, and this has been experience that I've seen firsthand, It's always the end of the month, end of the quarter, you know, end of the year when somebody hasn't validated that now we're now we're upset. Right. We're upset that you didn't hit your quarterly number and we need to adjust your draw or do this or do that when they could have been managing their behaviors the entire time. You know, production is really, really uh, easy to project. If you follow the behaviors that have been proven to lead to production success and you commit to those and you you hit them and execute every single day on those behaviors, there's never anything to talk about when it comes down to validation. But too many times an agency will hire somebody because they come in, they interview well, and they're going to throw a salary, a first year salary, which may or may not be a stretch for the agency. But in my experience, it doesn't matter if it's twenty five thousand or a hundred thousand dollars, those dollars are screaming every second they leave the agency mm-hmm. principal's wallet. So they're gonna be worried about how much they've paid out. And they don't they don't really put the thought into it that they need to put into it. They they're like, Well, this is how we've always done it. Go call on all your family and friends, we'll we'll send you to CIC or whatever else. And then it's kind of hope for the best, which is what happened to me when in reality you know, if you can have a producer come in and they know that there's a clearly defined set of behaviors that they're expected to be held accountable to number one, and then number two, they have the ability to contribute and collaborate in what those behaviors are and what they're committing to. It's a win-win for everybody all around. And so, you know, my thing is don't tell me what you're going to do as a producer. Tell me how you're going to do it. Because if you start with the end in mind and you can make that end, whatever you want it to be, your end might be, here's how much I need a month to retire and know what you, I mean, if you want to get that deep killing commercials, not for you because I'm not going that deep with you. Right. But if you want to go that deep, then think that way and know how much you need to be putting away and factoring in what assumed compound interest rates are going to be and like all of that but at the end of the day just think about here's what I need to make for the year here's how much business I have to write at my commission amount to get you know to to hit my number And then here's how many calls I need to make or how many deals I need to close. Well, here's how many meetings I need to have to close that many deals. And here's how many marketing drops or phone calls I need to make to get that many meetings. Now, all of a sudden, you know you need to do X number of cold calls, X number of telemarketing and all of this stuff. And just check the box every day. It's really that simple.
2: Well, and we're sitting here laughing. You see all three of us nodding because that's why you have a CFO. You have fractional CFOs. Don does validation schedules, and he will show the numbers that a producer needs to reach to the owner to say, okay, this is a good hire, this is not, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And Kayla has producer playbooks that detail out exactly what you just talked about.
3: We see this all the time. All the time. Uh, It's the fact that for the vast majority of agencies, sales management is like the weakest point.
2: Well, I and I'm gonna put myself out on the limb like David did and say, I've seen we have personally seen agency owners afraid of their producers.
3: Yes, yes, absolutely. They're
2: uh, afraid that's a big, to have the a conversation. conversation. Yeah, but you know
1: what? The reason they're afraid is because they didn't establish expectations at you the got beginning. It. And it was a free for all. And now somebody's had some marginal level of success. The agency Mm -hmm. principal is afraid that they'll walk out and take their book with. And by Mm -hmm. the way, probably didn't have a non-solicitation or non-compete sign to begin with. So you're backed into a corner and they do have you, you know, by the back of the neck. But there's nothing that's established expectations and accountability from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And now they're having to go in after the fact and say that. And let's 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 call it what it is. Producers have egos. Right, yeah. and and for as flamboyant as they can be, they're also very very fragile. In in most cases, they you know you can tell me what I do great, but don't tell me anything else. But at the end, but at the end of the day, that's what happens. In you know, it's just it's scary to me how many how many people out there think that they're just really maximizing their potential, and they haven't even scratched the surface because uh, they just don't understand. When I cool. got into the business, Don made the comment that, that one of the things, one of the bullets is you need to know earned revenue. There gotcha. are only four reports that I ever concern, concerned myself with when I was a producer. The month to date of my book of business in terms of the revenue mm-hmm. that was booked versus the producer commission report, which tells me which, what has flowed through the agency that month. And then the same two reports, except for year to date. What did that do? That allowed me to see a couple of things. Number one, am I on the path with my booked revenue? I wasn't as concerned about earned revenue because I knew that eventually that money would flow, but I needed to make sure that I also wasn't getting myself in trouble with my booked revenue. I mean, with my earned revenue and that I was going to have enough flow to cover whatever recoverable draw had been paid to me. And we were able to set that you know, we could adjust it every quarter if we wanted, mm-hmm. but I chose to look at mine once a year and everything else was paid out is technically, you know, a lump sum payment. They, they would call it a bonus. It wasn't a bonus. I had earned the money. <laughs> and you guys understand that when you write an account, not a hundred percent of that revenue doesn't flow in 12 months. It's Correct. usually about 65% of mm-hmm. your rolling book flows in 12 months. Oh. And so I would look at that, but I also looked at it because I wanted to see what had been booked versus what had been earned. And you couldn't do that on a month to month basis, but on the yearly, the year to date, I could, because when I booked an account, I just created myself a spreadsheet that showed me, this is basically it set up a receivable. And every month I was paid, I would take the money that flowed and enter it into the spreadsheet. And it would automatically subtract from what it booked. And I would know, you know, within a reasonable amount of certainty if I'd been paid right. Mm -hmm. If I booked an account and four months later I hadn't made a single entry for money that had flowed into the agency that I'd been paid for, I knew I needed to go to the controller's office and ask a question and I would find out (laughs) that somehow it was in the agency management system wrong, it got credited to another producer, or it didn't get credited at all, or in some cases the carrier still simply hadn't paid us. But if I wasn't Mm -hmm. tracking those things, how would I ever know to go look? And it's amazing to me how many people don't. Yeah. That's, well, your, that's your salary. You're the successful one. The successful producer. That, that's why
2: yeah. that's yeah, why you're that's writing why, the book, david Yeah, and that's why we're talking <laughs> to you. You're you're hosting
3: uh, us. Uh you've got some CFO in you, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> I'll
2: look out. <laughs> less
3: less
1: than you think, Don. Less no. than you
3: think. <laughs> you've got enough. Um, it is amazing we work with producers and what you just said is so spot on. Yet the vast, vast, vast minority do that. 99% of the producers don't do what you just stated. They should do it. Absolutely. Do they do it? Absolutely not. And they have no idea, are they getting paid correctly?
2: And so what, to really sum this all up, is we find the producers that are not successful, they talk, I don't have to tell you, they talk a good game. They speak in premium, not revenue. Oh, I've sold a, a thirty thousand dollar policy. No, you sold a thirty thousand dollar premium policy. Our, I say it all our, the
1: time: premiums for show, revenues the dough. Premiums got, for vanity, okay, revenues for sanity.
2: He he tells us that he, you can't spend premium, and so he puts it in our
3: in our our pocketbooks, basically. Yeah. One of the best things we tell, you know, especially small agencies who are so locked in on premium, forget about premium and start talking in revenue. Tell, mm-hmm. Have your producers talking revenue. Look, yeah. it changes the whole dynamic when you're talking, talking oh, I got a $500,000 book. No, you don't. $500,000 in premium, you've got a $70,000 revenue book. Look, the sooner any agency makes a switch to speaking revenue, the
1: better off they're going to be. Absolutely. Can't make payroll with premium. <laughs> Wish we could. Not yeah. at all.
2: So I would say that when we, look, when we think about this, to tie it in, because we promised content, that we're looking at pipeline management. And we're halfway through the year. And to tie this up with that pretty bow would be, where are your producers' pipelines right now? Do they have the influx to actually fulfill what their goals are for the year, their growth
4: goals. I'm going to take it one step further because it's your pipeline, you know, you can't get a gauge on your pipeline until you know what the annual sales goal was for your producer to make them profitable, right? But before that starts, it's revisiting your producer. If I could have anybody listen to this podcast do one thing, if you're an agency owner, please go look at your compensation models and make sure that they are accurate and that your salespeople are performing to date where they should be. And if you are a producer listening to this, I hope you're tracking it, and I hope you go look at your year-to-date sold. And you also are looking at your retention and what is being lost in your book. Um, Because essentially, yes, you can look at it year-to-date of what's going on. But if you're losing accounts, that means your pipeline needs to be X amount larger, not just to hit your annual goal, but also what has been lost in the year. And a lot of people kind of miss that mark. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think the other thing is if you're a producer and you start looking at this stuff and then all of a sudden you start hearing the headhunters and all of the ads and everybody Mm -hmm. grumbling out there about how much more you could make on the other side of the fence, you need to step back and take a real long look at what your agency is doing to set you up for success and what that agency's platform looks like. I am very open with the compensation that we give to our producers their commission only and they get 40% new 25% renewal.
2: Oh, you're speaking you, his language. Listen,
1: you'll go you'll go out to the internet and you'll hear everything from people giving 70 to 80% oh, we hear new it. I've seen new and renewal. Listen. I understand that it's all the same big bucket of money and that you can say that if they're 1099 and you're giving them 80% that it's like you having 20% gross profit for you to operate out of and all of that. I can tell you this, I've never had a producer complain about what they make in my agency because they know what I've invested in them in their success financially through continuing education and getting them up to speed as quickly as possible, plus the tech platform that we've provided for them, plus the value proposition that we have crafted and the ability to deliver to our clients, and the fact that the agency participates in those costs at 100%. So if one of my people needs a loss control visit, I eat that out of the agency and I don't know very many other places where you're going to go, where that cost isn't shared. As I was coming up through the ranks, I had to split those costs 50-50. My agency would pick up 50% of the loss control budget, and I would take the other 50% out of my cut of the deal. And I don't do that at my agency. I eat 100% of that. But at at the end of the day, our close rates are through the roof and our retention is nearly 100%. Because we know who we're going after, our value proposition is catered for who we're going after, and we don't deviate from that. So when y'all talk about making sure enough is in the pipeline and managing your pipeline and and knowing that you have enough to get through to the end of the year, to me, it's not even limited to, to, to the quantity of what's in there, but the quality and exactly what it is. I don't want a producer being a generalist and having 15 different classes of business they're going after i'm also not a big fan of them being so niched down that they only go after one but if you have three to five classes of ideal prospects that you're going to go after in your book of business and you identify you write it down you formalize it you hang it up above your monitors so you can see it every day but no matter what happens you don't deviate from that you're going to win way more than you're going to lose, and you're never going to have the conversation about whether or not you have enough numbers. Well, David, you know, when you
3: talk about that four- magic 4025, yeah, I'm a big proponent, by the way, that 4025 is about, about spot on to best practices compensation. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of agency owners that won't buy into that. They way overpay the producers, and they have no profitability in <laughs> the end. Look, mm-hmm. it's that simple. So where we find issues all the time is uh, with agencies. When we walk into an agency and they're way overpaying their producers or their service compensation is way out of whack, that's one of the worst financial situations any agency uh, can ever find itself in. Uh, try, try cutting uh, the, the compensation rates for a producer. See how that's going to go over. That's a tough problem to solve. Which David alluded to.
2: And that leads into one of our tips halfway through the year, you should be looking, especially in this economic climate, everyone's talking about it. Everyone needs to be looking at where are they for team bonuses, raises, cost of living, or even if if the agency is so tight on cash for retention, give an extra day off, give an extra week off. What are you doing halfway through the year to retain your employees, I'm and gonna, where's everyone
3: going to end up? I'm going to put it in a different way. All right, go for it. CFOs hate surprises. as agency it's owners, true. agency owners, you should hate surprises. Look, don't throw me a surprise party. Don't surprise me. What's for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, we don't want any financial surprises. So as we, as we come up, you know, we're almost at July for most agencies. Look, six months are in the books. Mm-hmm. Close the books. Meet with your CPA, how are we doing? And be honest, you know, agency owners, be honest. You only help yourself if you're honest. True results, producers, look at your production halfway through the year, be honest with yourself. In revenue. In revenue.
2: You know, know those hard numbers because it is easy to get excited over the inflated premium number.
3: If I'm an agency owner, look at your six month profit. You can estimate the rest of the year. Check your tax situation, get with your CPA. You know, let's not have tax surprises at the end of the year. Be watching your carrier statements. Look, do we have any? We don't want any surprise contingency ramifications. Are we watching our loss ratios? Do the things, but let's let's not open ourselves up to surprises.
2: And this is really how you become a CFO. And these are the measures we look at, we talk about all the time, and we try to teach others.
4: I would also say with the cash flow piece of it, right, it's Uh more than just six months away. You know, we're sitting here talking about some of our clients. We're sitting here a year from today. Do you have enough cash to make it? Because essentially you can't count on next year profit, you know, contingency hitting at the beginning of the year. If set that aside, do you have enough cash flow and are your expenses in line to actually make it through the end of the year? Well, and right now everyone is flush with cash because we're coming
2: off of... Mm -hmm profitability bonus contingency season.
1: Yeah, so
3: let's so- not go on a spending spree. <laughs> it's got to last.
1: It's got to last. Well, and if you're in if you're in Florida, you're dealing with some some uh inflated revenue uh-huh. through no effort of your own. It's a Correct. it's a geographic circumstance right now. And I think that that's the other side of the coin is you really need to look and plan for when the market turns and starts to soften again at some point cuz I can tell you right now across the board specifically with regard to property and even auto mm-hmm. we're seeing 25 to 30% yeah. for the exact same exposure that it was last year and i i, I fear that people are going to get accustomed to that and be living high on the hog and then the next thing you know boom you know you get the 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 uh, rug yanked right out from under you mm-hmm. and, and that it's that also happens a lot too when and let's just say we have a lot of, of companies that incentivize us to place business with them through enhanced compensation. But that doesn't happen the next year at renewal, right? We have one carrier that's a monoline workers comp carrier that pays 22 points on new business and at renewal, it drops to nine. So You're Dana- losing over 50% of the revenue on that account in- and yeah. You know, now the producer is looking at it. Not only are you losing 50% of the revenue on the account, but you're only getting 25% Mm -hmm. of the 50% at that point. Absolutely. And those are conversations agencies don't have because they're not being strategic enough in the thought process and looking out in front to avoid a problem. Before it ever happens, they're just saying, oh, yeah, let's put as much as we can with this company because they're giving mm-hmm. us 22 points. Yeah. Next year at Renewal, everybody's sort of sitting there with their mouth hanging open because their they're pay dropped by yes. it so much.
3: David, I want to make the point, you know, yes, Florida is, a, is somewhat unique, and yet most of the country's in a hard market. So we've got this rate increase, this rate growth almost in every state of the country, mm-hmm. and I call that the tailwind. And, so, and we get a lot of agency owners looking at their growth numbers and they're pretty good. And yet they, they're totally blind to the fact that most of their earned revenue growth is coming from the hard market rate growth and not organ, true organic growth. Yeah. And they're going yeah, to be open to a rude awakening when that market softens and all of a sudden uh, huh. that, that tailwind goes away. And their, their, their revenue growth shrinks.
4: So other than revenue growth, what have we been managing for our Florida clients specifically? What are some of those other measures can we look at to make sure the book is not? Because rate is hard to get, you know, an exact rate number you head would have to be so diligent in your revenue tracking. It's almost impossible to get an exact percentage is coming in from rate growth. But if not, what other book metrics can we look at? You
3: know, obviously retention. We've got to understand client retention loss. Not only how much are we losing, but we need to capture every time we lose a policy, why did we lose it? Because we're never going to change that dynamic if we don't understand the why behind it.
2: And could I not also add that before that new client even comes in the door, we look at ideal client. Are, Are you writing the policies you want to write and... Are you rounding out the accounts or are you just solely focused on the quick, quick sale and not looking at the whole picture?
3: Absolutely. Often talked about, we rarely see it actually executed. Correct. Not rocket science, but it's very rarely executed.
2: Mm-hmm. And what do you see on your end of this, David? You're, you're in the heart with these producers. How do you get them not to write everything they... Just because I don't let them. The,
1: the expectation is established at the very beginning with a minimum revenue per account threshold. Now I will yeah. say that we took that away during COVID because they weren't out able to able to be out knocking on doors, mm-hmm. meeting with people in person. And you know the middle market is a value based sale, literally a hundred percent of the time when you're in front of the right prospects there are people that still buy on price and and i understand that but for our prospects that's typically not the case unfortunately when you can't get out and have conversations one-on-one if they're not amenable to meeting on zoom or whatever you kind of have to expand what you're willing to look at and so i did drop that and, and just completely took the minimum revenue threshold away because we were able to sell over the phone specifically targeting workers comp accounts that were with payroll providers and weren't getting the service they needed or whatever else that was me managing the business right that's not necessarily right. how i want to see this for the long term but it's what was necessary to get through covid mm-hmm. and now as we're moving back that minimum revenue threshold of 500 or $5000 minimum revenue per account is back in force at this point. That being said, the other, the other phenomenon that happened to us that just sort of was like the double whammy with COVID is we lost a quarter million dollars of revenue in 2021 because we had accounts that were acquired by venture capital. And there was nothing at all that we could do to prevent that from happening aside mm-hmm. from what I have done And that is parlay that into a meeting with the CFO of the VC company to talk about Florida Risk taking over their entire portfolio once they got a little bit of a taste of the quality of the risk management programs provided to those three accounts that they bought. But what it did, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast, and people probably don't understand it, but I can assure you, if you were sitting in my seat, you would definitely understand it. But our average revenue per account in the agency was too high. We didn't have the broad base in our book that we could fall back on because we don't have a ton of personal lines. We don't have a ton of small commercial. We have middle market. And when you have that set, when you have the agency set up the way that it was, you live by it and you die by it, you know, the same way. And so you know, I have made a conscious effort to moving downstream a little bit and focusing on things that were maybe more in the 25000 to to $100,000 in premium range because that helps fill in some of those cracks and it makes me be able to sleep at night a little bit better. Again, if you don't know your numbers and you're not managing your pipeline and you don't know your average revenue per account and all of that stuff, then, you can't make decisions like that you you don't know when it's time to course correct and so you don't and it ends up stinging even worse because you don't try and solve the problem and that's really the thing that we faced um you know i'm not uh, um somebody who is going to be blinded by the fact that organic you know the market conditions have led to more revenue coming in truth be told one of the reasons why I prefer the service fee model for business is because the revenue flowing into the agency is more stable in that model. So if my client is experiencing increases and decreases in premium, it doesn't necessarily affect my compensation because I'm, I'm quoting with the carrier's net of commission and I'm billing a fee directly to my client for my services just like you would just like an attorney would, just like the CPA would. And so we're probably a little bit less volatile. We don't have the horrible beta coefficient to use a a stock uh, market term, but we do see fluctuation and I'm very cautious about that. That money, typically, I'll just take whatever I feel is a reasonable amount. And I know you guys don't want to hear me eyeball it, but you know, if I look at it and I feel comfortable with just culling, you know, 10, 15% of that money to the side and putting it over in savings so that we're operating on a more natural budget, I'll happily take that as bonus money, but I may need that to get through the next uh-huh. year. And so, it, it, it. look, I got burnt really bad with excess and surplus lines early in my career where I had a chargeback. <laughs> yeah. And so I do my best to have money squirreled away, so that if anything ever happens again where I have to have yeah. a lump sum, I've got it there because I run the agency debt free with no credit whatsoever. Oh. You're sounding um, like and, a CFO again,
2: David. You're sounding well, like
1: a CFO. No, what I'm what I'm, what I'm sounding like is somebody who did some really stupid stuff with credit <laughs> cards in their early twenties and swore I would never get burnt again. So we live debt free at home, and I chose to live debt free mm-hmm. in, in the business, and I've got a lot of friends that are way smarter than I am that tell me all the reasons why I should leverage debt. But at the end of the day, I know this, there's a 100% chance that I'll never have to worry about getting in trouble financially again, because everything we do is 100% paid for in cash. And I'm okay with that.
3: Well, David, we've got one more topic here. That's when you mentioned COVID, so, Rome? Well,
2: yeah, so we've already covered the five things that an agent, a CFO should focus on. We've given you some tips halfway for the halfway point. And now here's a little bonus content because you really sparked it. And when you said you, you had to adjust your business operations during COVID,
3: and you lost revenue. And you in lost, case.
2: in your case, you lost revenue. As CFOs, we have decided it is our fiduciary responsibility to help our agency owners maximize whatever they can. And in that, there is a government program that's a part of the CARES Act. It's the Employee Retention Credit. It is very, very misunderstood. I am not a CPA. I am not a tax expert, but I have been diligently researching this, and our agency owners We have found, and many have qualified already, because there has been a substantial change to business operations, whether they had to go buy laptops. Uh, We've had agency owners deliver laptops. (laughs) They couldn't go to trade association meetings. They couldn't go to client visits. They couldn't go to prospects. All of this, we've had some have issues with mergers and acquisitions. These are all disruptions. They're operational disruptions due to the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. There is a government program. There's a lot of spam calls going on right now around it, but they can reach out to me direct, P at RD Advisory Group, and I will talk them through what I've learned and how they might research their their ability to apply for this credit. It could literally be up to $26,000 Per employee. This is a very large number. It's a it's a credit back on their payroll taxes, so it's a refiling of their 941s. They refile as 941 X's. I can again I'm I can do this as a call with them. They can reach out. Happy to help anyone understand this program, but it is a game changer because we forget how much disruption we actually went through as small business owners. And in the end, we're coming to you, to your agency owners, to everyone, as a fellow small business owner. We have the same things. We prospect, we have clients, we have retention, we have products, so we're the market instead of selling a market. Facility space, our offices, everything that agency owners go through, we go through. And that's how we relate. And that's why we know this is a very, very important conversation for your agency owners to have. And David, if you haven't applied yet either, we need to talk about this offline.
1: Well, I can tell you who else needs to know about it, and that's our clients. So producers, if you don't know or understand this, Mm -hmm. you are missing an absolutely golden opportunity to differentiate yourself when you're in front of the people that you're talking to as prospects. And if you haven't heard me tell the story, one of the best things that I've done over the course of the last two and a half years was hit the payroll protection program right in the face, literally the second that it came out, and making sure that we have had a webinar for all of our prospects that we Uh could get out in front of that with SBA lenders. So this is something, look, I can tell you right now, the number of times that I have used tax credits and the ability to identify what they are, not me personally, let me be very, very clear, but I can assure you large accounts, If you use a company like Aflac, for example, who has the software to go in and calculate the work opportunity tax credit and show you how much money you're leaving on the table or left on the table based on who you're hiring, not hiring, and all of that, you're missing the boat because employers do not hear these messages from the people they should hear them from. And if you have their ear, it's a completely different message they're going to hear from your peer group. And it's going to make you look like more of a well-rounded professional Mm -hmm. operational and discussion nature and not selling them an insurance policy to solve every single problem they have because we can't do it. Correct. There isn't an insurance policy for every single problem a business has. I hate to rain on everybody's parade.
2: Absolutely. So the program that we have access to, and if anyone, again, they're free to contact me. There's no, I don't, we don't charge for this at all. We can have them set up to offer it to their clients. And that's what we've done for our own agency CFO clients. So this is something we weren't expecting to bring up today, but when you mentioned it, We wanted to jump right on it. There were far more COVID disruptions for insurance agency owners than they can ever remember or realize, and it definitely gives them the ability to apply for this credit, or at the very least, they should look at it for themselves and share it with their clients. So just reach out to me, and I will walk them through that.
1: So we are getting close on time and I want to hammer something home that I think is extremely important before we wrap up. And that is people don't be afraid to call them. (laughs) Seriously. Like, I can't tell you the number of agencies that I know of right now that I can rattle off off the top of my head that need to at least have an exploratory call with you, but they won't do it because they're scared and they're intimidated and most importantly, they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed about what their results look like, and it's all in their head. It has nothing to do with you. It's everything to do with them. And to me, it's like the person that has got mountains of debt piled up that's all overdue, and the phone is ringing, and it's the debt collector calling, and they just sit there and stare at the phone knowing that if they pick it up and they have the conversation, they may not like what they hear on the other end of it, but that's the only way for them to get out of their problem is to start having the conversation. And recognizing that they do have an issue and there is a way for them to dig out. And I feel like a lot of these people started their agencies the wrong way. Yeah. And it's just compounded over and over, year after year after year. And they feel like there's not a way to get out. Guess what? There is. And you need to be willing to take that first step and realize. These aren't a bunch of hacks that we just brought onto the podcast. These people deal with agencies who have problems and opportunities just like yours every single day. And they understand how to deal with you. They're not gonna rub your nose in any mistakes that you've made. I don't know of a single business owner that I've ever met that hasn't slid the debit card one time when they shouldn't have, right? (laughs) I don't know of a single business owner that I've ever met that hasn't done that. Some of you do it more than you should, and that may need to stop. But if that's the worst thing in the history of man that's happened in your agency, quit screwing around. Get a professional in there from a strategy standpoint. If you want to be a 5 million dollar agency and you're stuck at 950, you need yeah. somebody who understands what it takes to be a 5 million dollar agency. Number 1 and number 2 every step along the way that you need to take so that you're insured to get to whatever that goal is. That's the value more than anything else. You can find people to do data entry and bookkeeping. They're a dime a dozen. You Mm -hmm. need strategic thinking people who look at this like a CFO looks at their business, knowing that you don't have the ability necessarily, or maybe even the desire to have a full-time CFO in. We don't need it, but we need the accountability in many cases, we need the roadmap, but we got to be willing to make that change and pick up the phone and call somebody. Or e- look, if you don't want to call because you're afraid somebody's going to answer, shoot them an email. It's less <laughs> yeah. threatening, right? Yeah. But I mean, that so, has to be one of the biggest obstacles I have to believe that you face is is people just are they're they're just embarrassed or they, and for no reason really. Absolutely. yeah Absolutely. We're, all said
2: we're, we're human we we'll joke around with you we, yeah, we're truly here to help. Uh, and I can't drive that home enough that we have David we're business owners and we have taken on unprofitable clients because we need to help them that you know we can't we can't not help someone. We will find a way. The Academy gives us a great way now. We coined a term a few years ago called mid-agency mindset. Don and I use it all the time now. It was It's a Rowan Don original. If you want to be that, if you're that 950 agency that wants to be at 5000000 million, we're going to help you get the mid-agency mindset to get there. Because it's mindset.
4: What's the cost of not doing something, right? Yeah. What does the next five years look like without help? Are you in business, you know? What does that look like for you as a business owner, as an agency? Think about the team around you. They're leaning on you. Do you know, It's your fiduciary responsibility to bring them forward. Um, yeah. And part of that is the first thing we ask is, it, last question of our assessment that we do with agencies, we say, what keeps you up at night, right? What is at 3 a.m.? You know, you're waking up at 3 a.m., you're stressed out. What's that 3 a.m. noise? And if you think about it, if financial noise is your number one thing, let us fix it. It's so easy. <laughs> the, you know, think about just the last, you know, maybe 90 minutes we have, 60 minutes that we just had together. These are the same conversations we're having with agency owners. It's not scary. If you can make it through a podcast, you can make it through a call with us. And this is how we're like, you know, every call we have with you, it's strategic and we're here to be your friend. You know, you don't get that a lot in the industry. You don't really kind of see the behind the scenes, but we're very transparent. And if there's one thing we can do is bring a friend forward.
1: So I think the irony and quite frankly, the hypocrisy of the insurance industry is that we get frustrated when we know that our prospects have a problem and we have the solution to fix it, but they're just not listening. They just don't understand exactly what we can do for them. And yet here we sit talking about this to the same industry that feels so slighted because we can't mm-hmm. drive our solutions home with our constituency. That's the yeah. that that that's my take in a nutshell. Listen, we've been going an hour. I want to be respectful of your time. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I think this is a great thank episode. Uh, I thank look you. forward to getting this out to everybody. But before we go, tell them how to get a hold of you. Like what's the best way for them to engage with you guys?
2: Oh well, there's a Go to the website, agencycfo.com. Very simple. Kayla manages that completely. You can submit a form that way. Yeah. Or you can email us individually, ro P, Don P, or Kayla C at RD Advisory Group. We are here to talk. We never charge. We don't do quick sales. You call us. You have a quick question. We're going to help you. This is not... This is a a program to enhance your business, not to scare you and not to take away from you.
4: If you're scared, give me 15 minutes. (laughs) Give me a 15-minute call.
1: (laughs) There you go, people. The first step is your responsibility. They gave you a whole bunch of reasons why it makes sense to reach out over the course of the last hour. I truly hope you do the right thing. And by the way, just so everybody knows, they're on the call. They're not paying me a dime to tell you this. (laughs) I don't take sponsorship money from the people that we have on the podcast for that very reason. I believe in in the people that we have on. I believe they have a solution to the problem. And so I get no incentive whatsoever. I don't get free services, nothing. nothing. I'm just that passionate about you opening your agency and running your agency the right way because there are far too many things we have to focus on outside of finances outsource it and let the pros handle it for you have a great week and we will catch you on the next episode see ya
0: you've been listening to the power producers podcast you can follow killing commercial insurance on facebook and youtube and if you want to take your game to the next level next level check out our book the extra two minutes and our website killingcommercial.com.